0: compass media networks this is america's first news
1: this morning with your host gordon deal supreme court takes on immunity good morning i'm gordon deal along with nicole murray on this Thursday, February 29th. Glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour.
2: The nation's highest court will consider whether Donald Trump must stand trial on charges he interfered with the 2020 election.
1: Congressional negotiators have reached another temporary agreement to avoid a government shutdown.
2: Kentucky Senator Mitch McConnell is stepping down as Republican leader. Here are the two main reasons.
1: And why so many of us are resistant to a company meeting that starts at 8 a.m.
3: It was both, you know, People saying that it throws off their entire day if they have an 8 a.m. meeting on their calendar because maybe their school drop-off or perhaps you know the, how they start their day. You know they don't love to start at 8 a.m. in the morning. Maybe at 8 a.m. they're doing something else. To you know other people who have said you know they have to work across time zones and it's inevitable.
1: Anne Marie Alcantara at the Wall Street Journal on the business needs of the company versus employee flexibility. As we get closer to Super Tuesday, voters may be considering the latest legal news involving former President Trump. A recap of Wednesday's court news from this morning's Mike Gavin.
0: First, the Supreme Court agreed to consider whether Trump must stand trial on charges he plotted to overturn the 2020 election after lower courts rejected his claim that he is entitled to absolute immunity, a decision is likely before July. Second, a New York judge rejected Trump's request to pause a $355 million judgment in his civil fraud case. He may have to sell parts of his real estate empire to pay it. And third, a judge in Illinois ruled Trump cannot appear on the state's primary ballot because of his role in the January 6th riot at the Capitol. Gordon. Thank you,
1: Mike. The Supreme Court will be considering Trump's immunity claims while he will likely be in the middle of a criminal trial in New York. On allegations, he falsified business records to cover up a hush money payment to a porn star. A state judge has scheduled that trial to begin March 25th elected officials in Washington are once again kicking the can down the road regarding how to fund the government. Lawmakers have agreed on a short-term spending deal to avoid a partial government shutdown, which was scheduled to begin this weekend. The extension, referred to as a continuing resolution, will fund parts of the government for another week and the remainder until March 22nd. House Speaker Mike Johnson on Fox
3: News. We broke this up so that we could actually amend and negotiate and fight for policy initiatives on 12 separate appropriations bills. We've done that. Uh, We've
4: got an agreement now, and and now they'll be passed in two uh, packages because, as you noted, the
1: calendar's run out. It's the latest bid to buy lawmakers more time to come up with a full-fledged funding agreement for the nation's government. The fiscal year began last October 1st. The House could vote on the legislation today. Support is expected from most Democrats, but conservative Republicans are likely to give it a thumbs down as they have for three previous stopgap measures since last fall. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, the longest serving Senate leader in history, will step down from that position in November.
4: I always imagined a moment When I had total clarity and peace about the sunset of my work, a moment when I'm certain I have helped preserve the ideals I so strongly believe that day arrived today.
1: At age 82, he'll finish out the remainder of his Senate term, which goes until 2027. He made the announcement yesterday. Here's Eugene Scott, senior politics reporter at Axios. Eugene, what was his message?
5: I think he made it clear that he believes that uh, seasons end and that uh, it's time to move forward uh, in, towards new chapters in, in life and in career uh, and in national politics. And so he seems to recognize uh, that his party perhaps is going in a direction that maybe may not have room for him as its leader in the upper chamber in Congress.
1: All right, so that sort of brings Donald Trump into the conversation here. What kind of role may he have had, directly or indirectly, on McConnell's decision?
5: I mean, I think indirectly, since becoming the nominee in 2016, uh, he slowly but surely got more people in Congress uh, who shared his political ideology much more than Mitch McConnell's, which is not to say that there was no overlap, but uh, the Senate leader... Uh, GOP leader, should I say, and the president, assuming the president is a Republican, should be far more lock and step than Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell were. And if, you know, Trump is victorious in November, which he could possibly be, uh, I don't know that McConnell wants to go another run uh, trying to push forward policy with a president that he disagrees with so
1: often. What do we make of the timing of the announcement, the, the Wednesday after the Michigan primary, where, I don't know, Trump is now 5-0 and in, in the primary season. Does that have anything, anything to do with it?
5: I think the timing after uh, the Michigan primary is not a coincidence. As we move forward uh, in the election cycle, Trump uh, seems to be closer to clinching a nomination. And it's important to McConnell uh, to have Republicans win not just the White House, but the Senate as well. And I think he wants to put them in a position uh, where they perhaps can be more victorious uh, than they currently can with him being uh, constantly at odds uh, with the person who looks to be the presumptive nominee.
1: All right. So was any of this health related? He's had a couple of scares. He's 82 years old.
5: It has to be. It has to be. I mean, he uh, can find himself in similar situations uh, moving forward, that he has in the past year, where his health has been a major headline and his ability to just even speak clearly and communicate uh, has uh, come into question. We're in a moment politically right now where lots of voters are just looking at many leaders in Washington and asking, Are they too old and too unhealthy to lead this country in the direction that voters need it to go?
1: Mm. We're speaking with Eugene Scott. Senior politics reporter at Axios. We're talking about Mitch McConnell. Uh, Mitch McConnell announcing that he will not be the Senate Republican leader after November. He'll give up that spot, but stay on and finish out his Senate term through 2027. Um, what about his replacement, Eugene? Are there any uh, any names already in the in the rumor mill?
5: I think there are. Perhaps I mean, the name uh number two uh, Republican in the Senate, who has endorsed Donald Trump. Uh, certainly likely has his eye on the position, but so do a few Trump loyalists probably like Tim Scott and J.D. Vance, individuals who, uh, if Trump uh, wins, may want to go to a cabinet position or a BP position, but may want to stay in the Senate and uh, be the former president's point person there.
1: I saw something which said uh, he wanted the job as Senate Republican leader the day he became a junior senator in 1985. So I'm wondering, uh, did he offer any insight as to how he might sit in a different chair to finish out his term after wanting that job for so long?
5: It's not clear yet. I mean, I think the closest uh, model to that that we have, uh, you know, is Nancy Pelosi, who has remained in the House after stepping down from leadership. And it's been influential that far more quiet uh, than I think some people thought she would be, Uh, but McConnell's in a very different situation. Uh, Pelosi's philosophically very aligned with her current party's leader in the House, uh, Hakeem Jeffries. I'm not quite sure McConnell will find himself in the same position.
1: Thanks, Eugene. Eugene Scott, senior politics reporter at Axios.
3: What does the future of mobility in Michigan sound like? It's the sound of new EV charging stations at our state parks. Discover all the ways MEDC is driving next-gen mobility in Michigan at michiganbusiness.org slash radio.
1: Hey, thanks for joining us. A wildfire in the Texas panhandle has needed just two days to become the second largest in state history. The Smokehouse Creek Fire, which is slightly bigger than the state of Rhode Island, is behind only the 2006 Amarillo East Complex fires that claimed 12 lives and burned more than 900,000 acres. The latest blaze along with several others across the Panhandle yesterday prompted further evacuations and destroyed more homes. Erin O'Connor with Texas A&M Forest Service on Fox News.
3: This has certainly been um, a lot of significant activity, impactful activity up in the Texas Panhandle. Um, With our conditions moderating um, a little bit today, we're hopeful that our firefighters are going to be able to make progress in containing.
1: To the south, the Windy Deuce Fire burned 142,000 acres. It's considered 30% contained. Another blaze, the Grapevine Creek Fire northeast of Amarillo, burned 30,000 acres and was 60% contained. 20 minutes now after the hour on This Morning, here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things
0: you need to know. Number one.
2: Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has announced he will be stepping down from his leadership post in November, attributing his decision to his age and the rapid changes in the Republican Party.
4: One of life's most underappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter.
2: McConnell said he intends to serve out the remainder of his senator term, which expires in early 2027.
4: Number
0: two,
2: an Illinois state judge has barred Donald Trump from appearing on the state's Republican presidential primary ballot due to his role in the January sixth attack on the Capitol. The justice has delayed her ruling from taking of in, from taking effect, considering an expected appeal by the former U.S. president. The final decision will likely go to the U.S. Supreme Court.
1: Number three,
2: Hunter Biden has rejected House Republicans' allegations during his closed door testimony yesterday that President Biden improperly influenced U.S. foreign policy to benefit his family financially. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer says the impeachment inquiry will move to its next phase.
5: When we said we were going to do the deposition first, we will have a public hearing next. So I think that the public hearing hopefully will clear up some discrepancies.
2: Senate Republicans have blocked legislation that would protect access to in vitro fertilization as well as other fertility treatments. Mississippi Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith objected to a vote on the measure. This comes after Alabama Supreme Court ruled that frozen embryos are considered children. An American Airlines flight bound for Spain was forced to divert to Boston yesterday evening due to a cracked windshield. The airline said the Boeing 777 aircraft was diverted due to a maintenance issue and was taken out of service to be inspected by its team. No injuries were reported. Today is Leap Day, and there are lots of deals. Buy a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, get the second for two twenty nine. Get a free Wendy's Cinnabon pull apart during breakfast hours while supplies last. Chipotle offering a free side of guacamole. Staples offering twenty nine thousand people a free passport photo. Can't wait to see what's ahead for February thirtieth tomorrow. Right? If you if you balance it out right, you probably won't have to pay for food today.
1: Uh yeah no it's a good call good right call if you eat like a bird you could stretch it out through tomorrow <laughs> possibly too right. <laughs> For all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, they provide real-time product availability online and have sourcing specialists who can help you track down hard-to-find items. And their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call one 800 granger click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done, happy Leap Day to you. Your calendar is full of useless meetings. One gathering, though, inflames passions like no other. The 8 a.m. meeting. Here's Anne-Marie Alcantara at The Wall Street Journal. Anne-Marie, set this up.
3: Yeah, so because of an online debate that happened on TikTok, I decided to take a look and hear from people about, you know, how they feel about 8 a.m. meetings. Do they do them? Do they accept them? What's their work life? Like, you know, maybe they have to take them um, and just decided to hear from people about, you know, their thoughts on 8 a.m. meetings.
1: I get the sense it ranged from something like that's interfering with the start of my day versus, boy, it'll be good to get it out of the way. <laughs> I mean, what are you hearing?
3: Yes, absolutely. I mean, it was both, you know, people saying that it throws off their entire day if they have an 8 a.m. meeting on their calendar because, you know, maybe their school drop off or perhaps, you know, the, how they start their day. You know, they don't love to start at 8 a.m. in the morning. Maybe at 8 a.m. they're doing something else. Um, to, you know, other people who have said, you know, they have to work across, you know, time zones and it's inevitable. Or someone else who mentioned, you know, they're a CEO. And, like, they do the early meeting, but they don't expect the rest of their team to do so.
1: Okay. When are meetings generally? What do statistics tell us?
3: The statistics tell us that... Um, about 3% occur between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. according to Calendly, which is like a scheduling sort of sort of company, you know, you can figure out meetings with that their service. Um, and then 43% happened between 2 and 6 p.m. So clearly we love meeting in the afternoons and not in the morning. <laughs> uh,
1: is this at all a, a young person thing versus an older worker thing where the young folks say, hey. You're interfering with my work life balance versus the older worker like myself, who might say, You call an 8 a.m. meeting, I work for you, I'll be there.
3: No, I actually think the debate spanned, you know, at least two generations, I wanna say, in my story, um, from millennials to Gen Z. And I think it, it's just more of a matter of like, what expectations has your employer set upon you? You know, is it, have they told you, like, hey, we're gonna, we have quarterly 8 a.m. meetings and, You're going to have to attend them, or have they never told you and are just suddenly putting 8 a.m. meetings on your calendar, even though normally you work 10 to 6 or something like that. I think think it's more of understanding what the expectations are and communicating that versus, you know, you do it my way or, I guess, get on the highway. There
1: was at least one company in your story who said something along the lines of, like, listen, if I go outside the norm and schedule the 8 a.m., You knock off an hour early or you come in later the next
4: day.
3: Yes, there's a PR company in Philadelphia, you know, where they have working hours. They say it's from 9 to 530 and quiet hours as well between 8 a.m., 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. And, um, you know, they say, obviously, they, you know, they're a PR firm, so they work with clients all over the country, different time zones. Um, And, yeah, if they take a meeting outside of working hours. This, this employer tells them, like, hey, you know what, either leave early or arrive later in the day tomorrow.
1: It's Anne-Marie Alcantara, personal technology reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Hey, it's Gordon Deal. Say goodbye to the hassle of meal prep and hello to ready-to-eat meals from Factor. With Factor, you get chef-created delights approved by dietitians. Choose from over 35 mouth-watering options each week, plus over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons. Stop spending precious time cooking and cleaning. Factor offers restaurant-quality meals in two minutes. From dinners to breakfast snacks and smoothies, Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options. It's the convenient choice that's easier on your wallet than takeout, with flexible plans from 6 to 18 meals per week and the option to pause or reschedule deliveries. Factor fits seamlessly into your life with no prep, no mess. Ready for a week of hassle-free, delicious dining? Visit factormeals.com slash Deal50, and use code Deal50 to get 50% off. Again, use code Deal50 at Factormeals.com slash Deal50 to get 50% off.
0: We are America's First News,
1: this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Thursday, February 29. Gordon Deal with Nicole Murray. Some of our top stories and headlines. The Supreme Court will decide if Trump must stand trial for election interference. A wildfire in the Texas panhandle has grown to become the second largest in state history. Lawmakers reach agreement on keeping the government operating past this weekend. Mitch McConnell giving up his role as Senate Republican leader. Actor and comedian Richard Lewis, known for his role on Curb Your Enthusiasm, has died at 76. Biden and Trump are both visiting the southern border today and help people born on Leap Day celebrate their birthday. That story in about 20 minutes. The artificial intelligence revolution of warfare is well underway and the Pentagon is scrambling to get its troops to the front. The Defense Department recently held a symposium that put big technology companies and founders of smaller businesses in the same rooms with defense and intelligence officers to work on complex challenges posed by AI-powered weaponry. Here's Ryan Lovelace, national security reporter at The Washington Times. Ryan, what's going on?
4: So the Department of Defense really thinks that it didn't get ahead of the curve enough on AI and it's wanting to do so now. So what they did, the DOD's AI's are Uh, Craig Martell gathered a number of different bright AI minds from around the world in Washington this week military advisors military officials intelligence officers big tech companies smaller startups everybody in Washington to kind of come together and get some um, you know shared learning about what can they do to get ahead of the curve and really the takeaways that I had were three things they need the help of industry more than perhaps they thought the level of human participation in warfare is going to be radically changing in the next few years. And for everyone who thinks about the competition between the U.S. and China, some of the military advisors think China is ahead in some certain key areas. Okay.
1: So, I don't know, is there a for example as to how AI might be beneficial to the Pentagon?
4: There is. So there's two major initiatives that the Pentagon was eager to talk about uh, at this symposium, which are called Replicator and Task Force Lima. Replicator has to deal with AI for autonomous weapon systems, think drone swarms, that are able to communicate and move um, through the power of new AI technology. And Task Force Lima refers to large language models. Those folks at the Pentagon are tasked with looking at where can these large language models, you know, powerful algorithms that we've seen behind conversational AI tools like ChatGPT, work within the Department of Defense to make military operations move faster. They think it's the kind of thing where it can help from everything from administrative tasks to operations. But really, as it gets fully deployed, it's going to be really interesting to watch because there's already discussion of replacing human beings with human judgment in the deployment of these systems.
1: Mm. We're speaking with Ryan Lovelace, national security reporter at The Washington Times. His piece is called Pentagon Tells AI Experts We Really Need Your Help. Um, is, is any of the stuff out there now Commercially available that needs tweaking, or are we talking about building things and systems that are I don't know beyond what's available?
4: Some of it is commercially available. Um, you know, Andrew Moore, who's advising Central Command, um, he's a former Google Cloud executive, was talking about evaluating what the U.S. has as compared to China, and he was saying that China's outperformed the United States in two application areas that he didn't want to publicly identify. But he outperformed the United States hyperscalers, which are big tech companies, things like Google Cloud, Amazon Web Services, those sorts of things. Um, So they are commercially available things. Um, You know, another uh, AI leader from Scale AI, Alexander Wang, he's testing and evaluating a lot of these different algorithms from some of these companies, OpenAI and the rest of it. Um, And now he's working with the Pentagon on it. So they are evaluating what is commercially available, but they're going to be going beyond that, too. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. So these companies like Scale AI, are they... Uh, now contractors of the Defense Department? Are they kind of lending their knowledge and know-how out of the goodness of their heart? Like, How does this work?
4: They are contractors. Dr. Martell told us there's a contract there, but both the company and the department don't want to talk about exactly um, what the price tag of U.S. taxpayer dollars is going to be there. All the way through this push for new AI tools, the Department of Defense has said with its replicator initiative that it doesn't expect to be requesting new funds for it. But that really remains to be seen because the kind of radical overhaul they're talking of, of changing the way humans are involved, is going to necessarily mean that there's going to be a, a fundamental shift, paradigm shift, across the department, which is the world's largest organization in how they do their jobs.
1: Boy, all right. So you touched on it earlier, revisited this idea of replacing human beings with human judgment.
4: Yeah, so this is something that's really interesting that I think Americans are going to want to watch very closely. Um, You know, in my conversation with Dr. Martell, he was saying the level of involvement will vary, but there will always be a responsible person. But he just doesn't think it's possible anymore for a human to necessarily be in the loop, as it's called. So there have been tasks throughout time where a human was the loop. You know, if you get in your car, you turn it on, you drive it. Now with an autonomous vehicle, perhaps you're sitting in the vehicle, um, but it's doing everything for you. At some point in the future, what we're moving toward is perhaps a human on loop where you're supervising a a driverless car without anyone physically in the vehicle. And that's kind of how drone swarms um, is a thing that the department is pursuing. But really moving from a scenario where there is a human in charge of every aspect of warfare to AI totally taking over and a human supervising that and being accountable for it and being responsible and understanding what to do with it. Is where the department is headed now
1: thanks ryan ryan lovelace national security reporter at the washington times hey it's gordon deal here to tell you about this game-changing product i use before having a couple of cocktails called zbiotics i can easily feel lousy from just one drink but i've now found something that helps avoid that miserable feeling the next morning zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink it's the world's first genetically engineered probiotic it was invented by phd scientists trying to eliminate that crummy feeling the following day here's how it works when you drink alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut it's this byproduct not dehydration that's to blame for your rough next day zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night. Whether you're sitting down at home for movie night or maybe out with friends, drink responsibly and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Go to zbiotics.com/gordon to get 15% off your first order when you use Gordon at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/gordon and use the code Gordon at checkout for 15% off. Thanks for spending time with it, with us. How cool is it that Leap Day? is on Friday Eve. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I tell you, you were in your glory well, oh, this morning. I knew you had good.
0: extra spring in your step this yeah. morning. That's and, why.
1: And then t- tomorrow's going to be February 30th. We're going to we we're gonna postpone March by a day. Yeah, it's Un- work unprecedented.
0: Out great. It's great. <laughs> Time for the mic drop. Here's this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, you might be looking forward to your daily cup of Starbucks this morning, but if you do find yourself there, you might want to pay attention to what's happening behind the counter. This after a former Starbucks barista is getting attention for spilling the beans about the obvious signs you're about to get a subpar cup of juice. Joe. Dylan Clare, a former Starbucks employee, told Business Insider there are warning signs about coffee quality even before you order. For example, if a barista looks frantic to you, that's not a good sign. If the person making your coffee seems overwhelmed, distracted, or visibly panicked, your coffee is more likely to be burned or be the wrong order entirely. Also, not using the right language. A barista who doesn't use the standard terminology for Starbucks drinks may be a rookie who could more easily botch your drink. And your timing may be a factor. Too, if you go in the afternoon and order a drip coffee, it may have been sitting there since the morning, even though it's supposed to be dumped and refreshed every 30 minutes. Mm. So, uh, these these things seem to be
1: relevant to other lines of service work, too. Oh, sure, yeah. Right? I mean...
0: Not not just coffee no, drinkers. Not yeah. Just yeah, yeah. I mean, if if everyone's running around frantically anywhere yeah. you go, it's probably not a good sign. It's
1: subpar for anything. Be yeah, yeah. Subpar radio news program, for example. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's I'd say so. subpar. It's a, at a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. We watch for these signs yeah. everywhere. Generally, good guidelines for anywhere you go. Yeah. And while coffee that's been sitting on a burner all day is definitely unpleasant, so is the taste of metal, which is what a weightlifter got way too much of. Doctors at an Indian hospital recently removed 39 coins and 37 magnets from a man's intestine after he swallowed the metals under the assumption that zinc helps in bodybuilding. Mm. The patient, who was not publicly named, believed he could absorb zinc from the 39 coins he ate, and then he thought that eating the magnets would aid in that process. Doctors learned the extent of what he had done when he arrived at the emergency room with complaints of vomiting and abdominal pain that had gone on for more than 20 days. The coins and magnets had caused intestinal obstruction in his body, prompting an immediate surgical procedure to remove the metals, and thankfully, all were able to be removed. Officials noted that some of the magnets recovered from the man's body were shaped like a heart, spear, bullet, triangle, and star. Hmm. How about that? Like a Lucky Charms of uh, eating metal. Good for him. (laughs) Really lucky. This seems to have worked out nicely for him. Oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Who, who knows what he was uh, reading or yeah. where? what dark corners of the internet told him that eating metal was good for bodybuilding? It's, to me, it's like just the
1: stunning number. What yeah. Did you said 39 coins yes. and 37 magnets. Yeah,
0: yeah, because the magnets were going to help yeah. make him absorb the coins somehow.
1: At, at some point, don't you just say, let me start with two. Right. <laughs> right. If you're actually going to go this path. Yeah, yeah. Let we'll me start with. Yeah. I don't know if this is the U.S. Two pennies, right? Right, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> oh, man.
0: Don't just don't just down them all
1: in one gulp. Just imagine like how much that weighs. Oh yeah, in your intestines. Yeah, thirty nine coins and thirty seven
0: magnets, and then sloshing around as you're as you're walking around. Wow. And he's thinking he's adding weight, right? Muscle weight, right? No, you're adding coin weight. Yeah, no bodybuilding for him anytime oh, soon. Oh man,
1: thank you, Mike.
3: Pure opportunity. It's what Michigan is all about—the opportunity to do more the opportunity for all businesses to reach their full potential. Visit michiganbusiness.org/radio to discover all the ways the MEDC is helping Michigan thrive.
1: Thanks for spending time with us. If you're hoping to keep your car as long as possible, you might expect to get 200 to 300,000 miles out of it, but a lot of variables impact a car's life expectancy. Market Watch put together a list of factors that impact longevity. Number 1, improved technology. Ideally, the more recent a car's model year, the more longevity. You should expect engineers are constantly improving vehicle technology. Number two, scheduled maintenance. Ignoring what's specified in the owner's manual is a sure way to trim miles and years from its life. Number three, don't ignore your car warning lights. Heed them when you see them illuminate. If you need to check your engine, go get it checked. Number four, driver behavior. Aggressive driving causes more wear and tear on a vehicle's engine, transmission, brakes, and drivetrain. Eight minutes in front of the hour on This Morning. Once again, here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one.
2: Top U.S. lawmakers have reached a tentative short-term spending deal to avert a partial government shutdown tomorrow night. The deal covers six of the 12 spending bills, which will fund parts of the government through March 8th. The remaining six must be resolved by March 22nd. Louisiana Representative Mike Johnson on Fox
4: We broke this up so that we could actually amend and negotiate and fight for policy initiatives on 12 separate appropriations bills. We've done that. Uh, We've got an agreement now, and and now they'll be passed in two uh, packages because, as you noted, the calendar's run out. Number two.
2: The Supreme Court has agreed to decide whether Donald Trump must stand trial on charges he plotted to overturn the 2020 election. The highest court will hear arguments in late April, with a decision likely no later than the end of June.
1: Number three.
2: A wildfire that broke out in the Texas panhandle on Monday has now become the second largest in state history. Officials say the blaze has grown to about 850,000 acres with only 3% containment. Fritch City Interim Manager Christina Appy on Fox. There's still some hot spots everywhere and we're watching them really close. But right now we're just trying
3: to, um, you know, wait for the sunlight.
2: One person has died in the wildfire. The victim has been identified as 83-year-old Joyce Blankenship. Idaho was unable to execute Thomas Eugene Creech yesterday, the longest-serving death row inmate in the U.S., Idaho Director of Corrections Josh T. Walt.
1: Once the medical team leader had determined that it would be unlikely uh, that they were going to be able to establish IV access, uh, that was when we halted the execution.
2: Creech has been convicted of five murders spanning across three states. Wendy said it is not implementing surge pricing, responding to backlash after its CEO, Kirk Tanner, insinuated such changes would be coming in 2025. The practice is raising the cost of services and goods when demand is high. Meanwhile, Burger King is using this incident as a chance to capitalize by offering free whoppers until March 1st.
1: Wow. I suspect that uh, part of the backlash that Mr. Tanner heard was you yesterday on this program (laughs) saying surge pricing was, quote, crap. The power. uh, Do people born on leap day age like mere mortals? Many will tell you no. The patience it takes to wait four years between proper birthdays keeps them young. The Washington Post profiled a guy from outside Milwaukee named Jason Bone, who's on a birthday cruise in the Bahamas with about 70 other people born February 29th. They range in age from four to about 80 came from 33 states and 10 countries the first time they did it. Mr. Bone is 44 today, or 11 in leap years. Beth Olkers of Phoenix will be partying in New York with other Leaplings. It's actually her 15th birthday, if you don't count all the years in between. Since she also got married on Leap Day, her husband's favorite line is that he married his wife on her 7th birthday, legally. (laughs) Myra Manley-Walker has big plans for her birthday this year, too. The Hillsboro, Georgia resident is going out to dinner with a bunch of friends and family. She's celebrating her sweet 16 at age 64. That'll do it for this hour. For Nicole Murray and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.